Hi, Cole here, creator and narrator of The Town Whispers. It's been a long summer, but the leaves once again fall, and with autumn comes longer nights that beg for darker tales. And to fill those long, cold evenings, I've launched a brand new podcast called Tiny Terrors. Tiny Terrors is a nostalgic horror anthology series that is as fun as it is dark. Join three friends as they delve into a forgotten corner of storytelling history and bring to light the darker depths yet still hidden in those often untraveled corners. Subscribe, listen, and review Tiny Terrors wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. The Town Whispers is a narrative horror podcast that will tell the many stories hidden behind the rain the fog and the trees of a town called the fort. Events that take place in the fort are not suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised. Out beside the box with Dr. Keenley's journal clutched in his fingers, Paul's eyes opened wide in excitement. He just knelt there, reading the name scrawled and dated cursive a few more times to ensure he'd not just imagine the name Richter written on the page. Oh, he let out a sigh of relief. It wasn't just his imagination, and it was what he'd been looking for. Ruth? Ruth? Can you come upstairs for a moment? I have some questions. I think I might have found something. Paul watched the door anxiously, counting the seconds till Ruth appeared. With a huff from climbing the stairs in a hurry, she popped her head through his doorframe, peering in half expecting there to be something unwanted waiting inside. What is it, dear? 
do you know anything about this? Paul gestured to the journal, holding it outstretched in his hands, cradling it as if it were made of delicate and precious glass. He awkwardly turned the book as his thumb kept the page marked and felt the tendons in his wrist stretch with the strain. I'm afraid I don't. Where did you find it? In the box of odds and ends you brought from the attic. A look of confusion clouded Ruth's cheery face, with worry followed shortly after. She had no recollection of placing the item in the box that he held and claimed to have found in the miscellaneous and inconsequential items she'd given him. If Ruth had known it was in the box, she wouldn't have given it to him. Not a chance would she have allowed his eyes to fall on that nasty, cursed little book and all the evils it held inside. Oh, well, uh, silly me. (laughs) I must have forgotten. As Paul shoved the book towards her, she withdrew her hands. Here, read it. Ruth gingerly touched the leather, trying to feign indifference as best she could, but the disgust for the man who had written it was clear as day to any who would know to look. Uh, property of Dr. Keenly? No, not that. Sorry, let me find the page. Uh, Paul excitedly grabbed the book from her and flipped through the pages before finding the one marked by a crease where his thumb had over-eagerly pressed the paper. Here, the patient, Victor Collins. Remains beset by a coma of unknown origins. His parlor has not improved, and there is no response from outside influence, such as a light or physical pain. Uh, Richter Collins, was it? This is brilliant! I I can't believe it was sitting up in your attic! Uh, Now, I have proof he was here at the fort. Oh, well, isn't that wonderful? Um, are you... Sure you found this in the box I brought down? I really don't recognise it. I can't thank you enough, Ruth. Right, then. Um, well, I'm happy that you're happy. <laughs> I, uh, I think I'd... I think I'd better be getting to bed, though. It's getting late, after all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at uh, night. Good night, dear. Ruth's smile sat uncomfortably on her lips and quickly dithered away as she turned to leave Paul's room. Quietly closing the door behind her, Ruth stood for a moment as an unease fell on her. She didn't place that book in the box. She knew she hadn't. Never would she have allowed Paul's eyes to fall on that journal. Never would she have allowed that to happen. But it was apparent someone had taken that choice from her. Someone had gone out of their way to take that choice from Paul too. A choice he didn't even know had been present since the day he'd stepped foot in the fort. To walk in knee-deep till it clung to him, till the fort became infused with who he was, or walk away and forget that such a place existed. It was more the consequence of either than the act itself that was unknown to Paul and would remain unknown if Ruth had anything to say about it. To her, Paul may as well have been a little boy biting at her ankles. He was so young still. Not in his years lived, but in the years the world had yet to take from him with force. Oh, the age it would bestow his face. The gravity it would place on each step he took, and the pain of knowing it could only ever get worse in a place like the fort. Ruth knew. Oh, yes, she knew all too well. She felt as if she'd been old her whole life. If only she had tried harder to leave when the opportunity had arisen. If only she had not let those anchors hold her back the remnants of family and friends she had felt pulled into. 
If only she had done the math and realized that no matter which way a person could divide and multiply, if she stayed, it didn't mean life would be so much better for anyone else as to excuse the sin of ruining her own life. But that time had passed. Those opportunities were gone. Ruth pushed those feelings aside. All she could do was lead with love and kindness and keep smiling. That smile was her defiance. Her kindness was her knife. And she'd be damned if she let the fort and those in it take it from her. The day's light had come and slowly withered away till nothing but twilight was left, filling the clouds with shocking shades of blue and purple. And there, closer at the horizon in stark contrast, a sliver of brilliant orange separated land from sky. Ruth watched the colors from the upstairs window of an old study that had sat untouched for years, with odds and ends, books and boxes, memories of past lives stacked about her. A desk and a chair sat untouched and covered in dust, and a chaise lounge wrapped in a protective sheet lay toppled over against the wall, an artifact of an argument had long ago. I'm, I'm heading out now. Oh! Where are you off to? Uh, just a walk. I'll be back in a little while. Ah. Well, have fun, dear. Uh, Ruth? Yes? Do you mind not going in my room? Just in case you're thinking of doing me a favour or felt like tidying up. I have everything laid out in a specific way, and I don't want to risk it all getting, uh, disorganised. Uh, oh, um, of course, of course. Yes. Uh, Bye now! Hmm. Oh, um, well then. Hmm. What are you working on, dear? It's a bedside table. Minnie's eyes were squinted, and strained to make out the fine detail of the miniature piece she'd slowly carved out of soft wood using a sharp knife that lay on the tabletop beside her elbow. And covered in thick paint to match the color of the real-life equivalent, the paint fumes still hung drunken and acidic in the air. Is that, uh, is that for Paul's room? Of course it is. Ah. Oh, okay. Oh, what's the matter now? Well, it's just... If... You've never decorated a room for anyone else before. Of course I have. No, Minnie, I don't think you have. Well, I suppose I have a sneaking suspicion that Paul is going to be staying with us for a while. And why is that? You and him seem to have hit it off. A friend can make a world of difference, after all. I like to think so. And you've been chummy with him, after all, so so interested in his writing and making sure he feels at home. Oh, come now, Minnie. You are welcome to leave your room and join us any time. You don't need an invitation in your own home. If I didn't know better, I'd say you sound a little jealous. Oh, you can be so stupid. Well, that's not very nice. You know that's not what I mean. <laughs> Still. I know... I'm sorry, all right? I'm not jealous. Well, well, then what are you feeling? Talk to me. I feel like we haven't spoken in days. We've spoken. 
Not really. Yes, we have. We haven't really spoken since our little disagreements. Disagreements? I I, I don't recall. Oh, don't be like that. I really don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my goodness. You're really going to make me say it, aren't you? You don't have to say anything you don't want to. Really, Minnie? Bella, you're being awfully standoffish and I can't help but think it has to do with our difference in opinion regarding you-know-who. But I don't know who. Ruth, why don't you tell me? Mother Cyprian. Ah, yes, that's right. Mother Cyprian. Yes, that's right. Mother Cyprian. And what about her? Minnie. Yes? Enough! I just... Don't understand why all of a sudden you seem so distrusting of her. And I don't know when you decided she was some saint. I don't think she's some saint, but we all want the same thing. I trust that. And you should too. I know she says she wants the same thing as you and I, but don't you think it's odd? What's odd? Everything. Really, Ruth, you're going to have to give me a bit more than that. Oh my goodness! Where do I even begin? It's like everyone she helps is cursed. Well, that isn't true. She's been there for us in the past and it's always worked out for the better. But that that was before. Before what? The Laponts. Oh, she had nothing to do with that. Reverend Albert lost his marbles and fixated on a childhood crush. I wouldn't be so sure. You've been reading too many of those trash stories of yours. No, I have not. You must be. You sound paranoid. Okay, well then, what about Reverend Albert? She raised him, you know. She kept an eye on him. We're just supposed to believe he snapped one night. Oh, he was a grown man. His actions were his own. All right, forget the Reverend. Have you ever been to Riverside? Really? Yes, really. Yes, I've been to Riverside plenty. Not in years, though. I know you haven't. You barely ever leave your room to have tea with me, let alone the house. Oh, not this again. Please, not this again. I know. I know. I don't hold it against you. Then why bring it up at all? I just mean to say that things have changed. Okay, they've they've changed a lot. The whole fort feels different than it once did when you knew it, when you walked its streets. Oh, don't be ridiculous. The fort has never changed. Not in all the years we've lived here. No, Minnie, it has. It isn't like it used to be. The outside world is creeping in. Paul is proof enough of that. Electric lights, radios. The outside world is creeping in despite the best efforts of the forces that be. As always, you make it sound so dramatic. Well, it is dramatic. How fast the world is moving. Even here. Where comparatively we are moving at a snail's pace, things are changing. And and Riverside has also changed. It used to be bustling with nuns, you remember? It was a marvel watching Mother Cyprian filled with purpose as she conducted the construction and maintenance of that place. And Riverside, my lord, what a grand structure that was. Completely out of place, but wonderful. Remember how much admiration we had for her? That was all her doing. How inspirational it was to see a woman taking charge and leading the way like that. But but now... Now it just feels guarded. 
There's rust on the wrought iron gates. The grounds are full of weeds and bramble. Can you imagine that? The mother Cyprian we knew, allowing Riverside to be anything short of immaculate. I'm sure it's not that bad. After all this time, she must just be exhausted. Of course she's exhausted. She has no one to help her anymore. Don't be ridiculous. She has the staff. Last time I called on her, there was no one. Good Lord. How could there be no one? Why did they all go? (sighs) Well, I'm sure time and old age took some, but it's empty. What about her patience? Empty. I don't believe that. Are you calling me a liar? No. I just don't think you're right. I'm telling you, Minnie. That's the way it is. I don't know where all her patients or or inmates or whatever you want to think of them as have gone. I haven't seen any staff, save for Brigitte, in, in years. It's empty and derelict. It looks cold and it feels cold, too. If you were to walk up the gates of Riverside Sanatorium and look at the chains and locks holding it shut, I'm sure you'd have doubts. What do you mean, the gates locked shut? Seems odd, doesn't it? An institution dedicated to helping those who are too sick to help themselves, or to aid those who seek to better themselves, or to shield others incapable of caring for themselves, and it's locked. I suppose there's no more illness or poverty within our wonderful little town. If... If what you say is true, and not just to prove a point or make me think differently of Mother Cyprian, then then you're right. That is odd. Minnie, do not send word to Mother Cyprian regarding Paul. I'm begging you. Well, then what do we do with him? Just let it play out. You know better than most. If he has a purpose, this town will find it for him. Hmm? Fine. Minnie? Yes. Fine. Fine. All right? Good. Now that's settled. Why don't you come down and we can have lunch together? I'd actually like to finish putting Paul's room together. Oh. All right. Are you sure? Uh, It's just if if I don't finish it now, well, I think I'd just like to be alone for a while if I'm being honest. Oh. Uh, well, I, I guess I'll leave you be then. Have fun. Ruth. Yes, dear? I'm sorry. For being mean to me or for sneaking that nasty little journal in with the other keepsakes to give to Paul. For being so difficult. I see it as being strong-willed. Right. But Minnie? Yes? Please don't. What? Don't stop trusting in me. I didn't... I didn't mean it. You know how I am. I I say things I don't mean sometimes. And, And for the love of God, please don't go behind my back like that ever again, because I don't want to stop trusting in you either, okay? All right. Minnie felt her chest tighten as she lied, as she tried her best to remember how her face felt when it was normal so not to betray what she felt and thought on the inside. If she could take it back, she would have. The guilt she felt was immense. Ruth stared at Minnie, her face with that fragile smile and eyes full of caring love. It 
was too late to turn back. But if Minnie could have, she would have traded the world and everything in it just to undo what it is she had started. But sadly, all there was left to do was follow through and light the tinder she'd set and stacked neatly to burn until all that remained was the object of their desire. This episode was written, directed, and narrated by Cole Weavers, with sound production and editing by Harlan Guthrie, and mixing and mastering by Matt Black. Our theme song is by the ever-wonderful Charlie P.S. This episode featured Imogen Harris as Minnie, Lydia Nicholas as Ruth McMillan, and Mike LeBeau as Paul Collins. To find additional information or join our Patreon to support the show and receive ad-free episodes, visit our website at thetownwhispers.com. Rate and review us online. Tweet us at The Town Whispers. Join us on Discord by clicking the link in the description. Visit us on Facebook or email us at thetownwhispers at pulpaudio.ca. The Town Whispers is a serialized horror podcast produced by Pulp Audio, distributed by Callum Doherty of the Rusty Quill Network, and licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.